right. Well, welcome along to another episode of Sweet Tea and Coffee. And today we have not one, but two, Blake, two two friends of the pod to talk about. One of whom I know really well, recording this coming out of Mother's Day. And I'll say I have a pretty fantastic mom. Yeah. But she was not, she didn't mince words about whether or not she earned a sticker. Yeah, now, these, the sticker thing is really the sticker, being, it's real. I get at least two or three emails a week or comments from wow. friends of the pod who are demanding their stickers. So we're going to have to do something about that. Well, mom has been a faithful, faithful listener. And she, when we said that there was a standard for earning a sticker, I immediately got a text message after that episode had released. And she said, your mom has mm. definitely earned yeah. her sticker. So big shout out, Karen McDonald, all the way in Flower Mound, Texas. Thanks for being a friend of the pod. If we get stickers, when we get stickers, one's coming to you, Mom. Yeah. I love you. All right, another friend of the we pod. We have another friend of the pod. We got an email this week. Um, well, and so this is a delayed recording. So this actually, when this releases, it would have been like a few weeks ago. But anyway, we've got an email from Maria Marquez, and she talks about how they are... Uh, her and her son, Isaac Jr., are faithful li- friends of the pod. They've been friends of the pod since day one, and uh, they're demanding their sticker. So Demanding? Uh, or asking nicely? Uh, or is it, what, what do we think? We definitely earned our stickers. Oh, earned. Okay, there's yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I know, I, people yeah. are just, uh, give them what I they want. I feel like the like... stickers may not be enough for some of these people. <laughs> <laughs> give the people what they want. But yeah, um, now she did say that, that, Isaac Sr. His he's a reluctant friend of the pod, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he he's needs to catch up on some episodes apparently. But yeah, he's an elder. He's an elder here at our church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he hasn't found time to be a friend of the pod. We yeah. may have to talk to him about that a little bit. I don't know if that's acceptable. But, yeah. Well, that's good. Thanks, Maria, for uh, and Isaac Jr. and Isaac Jr. You know he he has uh, been known to talk a little trash when it comes to yeah. sports and uh, particularly. He's a Spurs fan, and he comes at my Mavericks and comes at the Red Raiders pretty often. And uh, so he and I have got a little beef. But I'm glad that he's a, a friend of the pod. Yeah, despite all that. Despite he all that, he's still a pretty the, cool yeah. dude. Pretty cool dude. All right. Well, thanks for uh, for giving us your feedback. We've got a fun guest today. We've got Mr. Nathan Jessup in the house. And uh, Nathan is, if you've ever heard about discipleship school uh, here at Fredonia Hill, Nathan went through discipleship school, and God did some really cool mm-hmm. things uh, in his life there. We're going to get into that. He is a police officer for uh, Nacogdoches PD, and so I'm sure has all sorts of fun and exciting stories to uh, to tell us. But yeah, let's stick around, and uh, we're going to get an interview with Nathan Jessup. Okay, so I said we've got Nathan Jessup in the house with us today, and Nathan, right over behind Blake, I'm kind of looking at the back wall. You, this, we need to put this on YouTube if that's gonna. Mean I prefer to, to like anybody. paint the picture. Paint with the words. picture with words. Well, yeah. I'm gonna fail to do that. But anyway, there's a couch in this room that we're in, and on that couch, there's a leather motorcycle jacket with things written on it. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, that's the Blue Knights. So I've become a member of the Blue Knights, which is a. Uh, Police officer motorcycle gang. I mean, club. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, That's it's not interesting. A gang. It's not a gang. It's a club. Uh, it's a bunch of retired uh, 
retired law enforcement and active duty law enforcement and some honorary members. So it's a very family oriented club. So uh, definitely, definitely a joy to be around. That's I'm, cool. I'm by far the youngest guy in, in our group. They're at least twice my age, but I like hanging out with the old guys. They're, they're a lot of fun. That's right. And that's why you're hanging out with us here today, <laughs> hanging out with the old guys. Hey, you know, there are, there's a, a group of old guys at Fredonia Hill that have been doing a little bit of bike riding as well. And yeah. Maybe, maybe we need some sort of... Shout out to Dennis Jones, Bill Plunkett. My not man. calling him old. Roger but, Russell, yeah. not calling him old, but... I, I mean, mean Bill, Bill tends to, uh, to to rub in his trips quite a bit. So, yeah. I mean, every time he comes back, he, he makes it a point to come into the foyer and just flip through the hundred of pictures and oh, just yeah. talk about every single one of them. And we talked know? about that. Yeah. Rubs it in yeah. quite a bit. He goes to some pretty amazing... Oh, it's play. fantastic. They go some awesome his friend trips. group that he has? Yeah. Like, oh man, can you imagine having the same friend group from high school it's pretty every amazing. year going on trips that's pretty incredible we got into that in we his did. episode you yeah. had, oh, did you? You had, i haven't haven't listened to that one yet yeah you should well yeah, nathan is currently binging the podcast because <laughs> he when he realized he was going to be on it he was like hey i need to know a few things about it it's been on my queue haven't gotten to it mm-hmm. and so he's uh he's rapidly becoming a friend of the pod yeah. but now that he's on the pod i guess he uh he qualifies, right, right. but okay. So, so we just jumped in right into your story. You have a motorcycle. Great. But how in the world did you get to Nacogdoches? What's your, what's your story in arriving in our little town? Well, um, just out of, uh, college, I actually went to Sam Houston, eat them up cats. Wow. Um, it's bold on a, yeah. Yeah. So I, I graduated from Sam Houston. I ended up going back, uh, back home to Livingston, uh, to help take care of my grandma. I started working in dispatch at the Polk County Sheriff's Office for about a year. Um, and ultimately, I was just looking for jobs, um, have a criminal justice degree. And so I was just trying to li- find different jobs. Um, at the time, I, I'd actually, uh, I was in a relationship where somebody was living up here in Nacogdoches. And so I applied for different police departments. I applied for um, uh, Nacogdoches Police Department, Lufkin and Houston. And all three of them were accepting me, and it ultimately was kind of a it was kind of fun because it became almost a rush. It seemed like who was going to hire me first because mm. uh, ultimately Houston they they didn't really care. They were going to get their people regardless yeah. whether it was me or not. But between Lufkin and and Knack, they were um, each time that I went to a different interview, they found out the next the other department was that much further along. So they were like really trying to rush <laughs> and get me in. So ultimately, Nacogdoches hired me first. Wow. And so now I came while you were getting your criminal justice degree, did you know that you wanted to be a police officer? Was that always the end goal or how uh, did that happen? You know, I, I can't tell you when I originally decided I want to be a police officer. So I actually started out college as a business major. I had a full scholarship and, um, in business and it, it I hated it. <laughs> I, I dreaded every day. And so I actually failed and lost my scholarship and had a friend that was doing criminal justice. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. So hmm. started doing that, actually enjoyed college. Um, and I don't know that if I'd made a decision then that I wanted to be a police officer, it was just kind of like, uh, at some point in time from the time that I started CJ, maybe it was like a professor or something that I had. But from that point on, it just kind of started dawning on me, like maybe I could be a cop and yeah, that's all I could see myself doing at, at that point. Hmm. So that's kind of, I, I didn't have, a lot of people have that dream. Like whenever they're a little kid, like always wanted to be police officers. No, <laughs> I never thought that I'd be one. 
I hmm. used to make jokes all the time that, you know, if I was ever a cop, I would uh, intentionally drive five miles an hour under the speed limit just to see how many people were afraid to pass me. Uh, is that a thing? Uh, we need to know if that's not, a thing. Not intentionally for that purpose, but it is a thing that we... How, here's what I want to know. How often am I being messed with? When there's a when there's a police officer in front or behind, either going fa- a little bit faster or a little bit slower, I, always in my mind I'm wondering, am I being messed with here? What's going on? You know, the the funny thing is, uh, it, it it becomes pretty frustrating for us sometimes because we'll be trying to get from you know from point A to point B, right? We're just trying to drive like anybody else. And, That's right. And, just trying to go get my groceries. Somebody, right? Yeah, right, right. And somebody, no. Um, Somebody will get in front of us and they just automatically think we're just watching them. So we'll just, they'll just go super slow and we're back there. We're back there just like, come on, come on, come on. And, you know, I, I don't normally get road rage unless I'm actually headed to like a call or something that I need to get to. And somebody yeah. in front of me is driving just super, super slow. Not even the speed limit, not even the speed limit, yeah. but they're just that nervous that, you know, oh, there's a cop behind me. I better go slow. It's like, no, just just drive normal. It's fine. It's fine. You can't actually be pulled over. You can be pulled over for going too slow. Yeah. Yeah. So keep that in mind as you slam on the brakes <laughs> and go way too slow. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. okay. So graduate from Sam Houston and then first job is Nacogdoches. Uh, well, my, or you said you did dispatch. I was, yes, sir. I was okay. a dispatcher in, uh, at Polk County Sheriff's office. Okay. Um, did that part time. And then I took on a full-time position at, uh, AmeriCare EMS dispatching for them as well. So it was 911 dispatching, whether it was EMS or, or, uh, for the sheriff's department, but I did that for roughly a year. Um, and then in, uh, November, 2014 is, is when I made the move up here and I got hired on. And then I went through the Academy in January of 15. Uh, the academy is about four months long, and so actually this month is um, is seven years wow. since I've uh, since I graduated the police academy. So wow, yeah. And now you're into all sorts of fun and interesting things yeah. uh, in, in the department. But t- talk a little bit about at that point. So you transition uh, here to Nacogdoches. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's it what's it like starting out in in the, in that world? Well. Um, you know, it's it's as far as the area is concerned. I grew up East Texas, Livingston's East Texas, so there wasn't a yeah. huge transition, you know, in that portion of it. But coming into law enforcement, you know, I, I didn't know I didn't know anybody up here in Nacogdoches. I had you know a couple of acquaintances from college. Uh, they're they're from high school that went to SFA and that were still kind of lingering around, uh, but I never really associated with them much. So. You know, when I came here, I, I didn't know anybody except for, at the time, the, the uh, relationship I was in. Um, and so, you know, I was just the outsider at the department. Nobody knew anything about me. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, I, I got this uh, this stigma on me of be, about being a, quote, know-it-all and doing air quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, and it, a lot of it was because during, uh, I had, obviously I had my criminal justice degree, so I learned a lot there. Uh, I had been a dispatcher, so I had some experience on that level. So when I came in new, it wasn't like, uh, I, I wasn't just run of the mill. Yeah. 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 And, and I'd done a lot of ride-alongs and, and stuff throughout the pre-academy and then, um, I did a lot of ride-alongs. I did ride-alongs when I was down there. So, and I was also a volunteer firefighter for um, ultimately about three years. But at that time, it had only been about a year and a half, almost two. Uh, so I had a lot of experience in hmm. the area, um, in the in the area of work, I guess. And so it, it just rubbed people that way. And then it 
when when I ended up going through the academy, you know, just doing my thing, the academy, the 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 chief came out. One of the most intimidating intimidating type interviews was with the chief at the beginning, right before Nacogdoches PD sent me to the academy. He said, uh, he said, I just want to let you know this is your job. It's your job to go to the academy, so we expect you to do well. So I took it to heart. So I did everything. I memorized all the things I was supposed to do. I studied, uh, you know, probably the most um, effort I've ever put into any form of education in my yeah. life. <laughs> and uh, it didn't help the the stigma on me because I ended up graduating valedictorian from the academy. So then when I came back to the department, everybody heard all that. Then it's just like, oh, there's Jessup. Yeah. The You're that guy. Yeah, You're I that, that guy. guy. And, I was, and so I had to battle that for, for a couple of years. And, and you know, there's some people that would still argue that that's, that's still a, a, a true statement about me. But then most people are just like, no, that's, that's not true at all. It's just, you know, I enjoy my job. So how, okay. So in that, in that period of time, that's gotta be pretty quickly after you move here fairly quickly, I think, I'm, mm-hmm. if I, if I'm remembering correct, that you start to get involved uh, here. What, what brought you to Fredonia Hill? How was it that you interacted here? Cause I think that's a pretty cool story. Yeah. 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 It's, there's a, there's a huge, um, a huge history uh, with with all that stuff. So, um, I'd actually growing up, I grew up in the church, and um, uh, I'd gotten my my family and I got real bad burned by the church. Um, we were bullied by people at the church. We were looked down on a lot because my mom was divorced a couple of times, and and so we were you know we were that family um, mm. that was shunned, and it was a it was a big church. Um, I won't point out any names or anything, but yeah. it was a big church. And so it was, it was one of those deals that, you know, that's, that's just what we felt like things were. So ultimately I had strayed away for years. Um, right after I graduated, um, graduated college, I ended up going back home and there was a family friend of ours who I had run into in the store one day. And, um, he was a pastor at the time. Um, Ultimately, fast forward a little bit, he's the one who married us, but um, he's a pastor at the time, and that was the first uh, reintroduction, I guess, into into church, was starting to go there. Then when I came to NAC, I straight away again. Um, I think it would have been in 2018, if I remember right. I think it was 2018. Um you know, fast forward those few years that I was here, I had uh, I had this real craving, I guess, for for something. There was some mm. some different things that were going on in personal life, um, and I just had this this craving for for something. I'd been studying. I dated a couple uh, girls that were in different uh, denominations. There's a Catholic Church of Christ, and I'd kind of branched off and started studying up different things like that, and. Uh, I remember the first event that I'd done here um, was a fall festival deal out in the parking lot, and I was part of that doing security. Yeah, so and you then, get so yeah. I mean, detail that. So you get you don't get you're not doing that as part of our church. You're doing that because you get a call that there's a job opportunity to mm-hmm. do some security for the department. That's what brings you. That was the, into the parking lot? first introduction. Yes, sir. That yeah. was was in the parking lot. Was just the um, just do an extra job, and I thought it would be fun. You know, I did I did uh, trunk or treat stuff before, and I always yeah. thought it was fun. I love yeah. kids, and especially you know being a police officer, getting to be around kids and just have that interaction yeah. is just a lot of fun. So, so heck yeah. Um, and then um, 
I believe it was it was within a couple of weeks of that time that was there was a um, a church shooting in uh, Sutherland Springs, mm-hmm. and uh, most most everybody's real real familiar with that, where a guy came from outside and ultimately ended up um, uh, killing and injuring quite a bit of people in this small church, small town. Mm-hmm. And that very next Sunday, there was a a, a deal um, where the church had posted they wanted security. And so at the time, you know, I didn't have a church home here or anything. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get paid to go to church. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, that's pretty much what brought me in the doors. <laughs> and so I started doing security every Sunday uh, in the four-year and just hanging out and just seeing everybody smiling faces. And uh, I'd still had a little bit of standoffishness to church, mainly because it was another big church. And I had toyed around with some other smaller churches in the area and gotten real close with some people. Um, but I just... You know, I had this uh, image in my mind of what a big church was and where you're going to have all that judgment and all that, mm. you know, stuff. And, and all these issues that we had, it was almost like a scar for mm. for years of, of all this, you know, trauma, I guess, if you will, uh, that we experienced growing up just kind of came back and just like, ah, I'm going to stand away from here for a little mm. while. But ultimately, just the the greetings and everything I got from people at the church just started getting me more into it. And um, I had a little bit of a rough time at uh, uh, one point with uh, some personal stuff um, with a relationship ending, and it was a real tough time. And at that point, I just kind of knew that, you know, there was something, something that needed to happen. And so I just helped had this big craving for for something to fill whatever was going on, and and uh, ultimately I'd reached out to uh, to try to get involved with something. And I remember a phone call with uh, John James. I was trying to get something more than just Sunday, mm-hmm. and I got a phone call with John James. He he calls me and he starts talking to me about different things. It was on a Monday, and uh, it was during the summer of 2018, I think. If uh, dates may be wrong, but it's somewhere in there or 19. Uh, he ended up uh, inviting me to college, the college night, which of course I wasn't in college. <laughs> so it was just kind of, I'd asked for something. He's like, well, in the summertime, we don't really have like Wednesday nights or anything like that. Or, or I think there might've been, but at the time I was working night shift, so I wasn't available for it. And there was no Sunday night services. So those are things I was craving is trying to get something more out of out of church than just showing up and working security on Sundays. And so, uh, yeah, he invited me to that college group. And I remember a, a couple of people kind of give me one of those, some of those looks. And <laughs> there was, there was somebody that I had, I had ran into, um, not in a, not in a Especially bad way, run, run into. not in a bad way, not in a bad way, but uh, <laughs> he can't say that. But. <laughs> uh, there was a, there was somebody that I'd ran into, um, that knew I was a police officer, knew I wasn't a college student. Um, and, uh, they ended up, uh, whenever I got there, the first look I got from them was just like, what are you doing here? Kind of thing. I was just like, oh, I'm John under- invited I'm me. I'm undercover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, and, and that kind of got me, got me, started getting me plugged in, um, was just those interactions. And so it was really just the, everybody just um, being accepting and, and talking to me and asking questions and and it seemed like there was a lot of people that really wanted to get to know me not just not just hear all the cop stories and mm-hmm. all that yeah. stuff and so it, it just kind of pulled me in yeah. so in a in a in a way you're describing like that there was there was obviously like you, you mentioned just trauma and hurt mm-hmm. from the experience you and your family had at church but it 
it was relationship and consistency here of, of continuing to, uh, and that's not, not nothing special here. It could have been anywhere, but the point was that you kept interacting with people who seemed genuinely interested in who you were and cared about you. And, uh, that over time that was actually affecting some of those scars and, and that history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I know that the very first Sunday, in fact, um, that I, uh, I worked security, there was, uh, it was the Thanksgiving dinner or some, some, uh, potluck, something or another that was going on, uh, we do, we do a lot of that. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it's great. I love food. Yeah. Um, but actually, um, uh, I want to say it was uh, Sheila Cooey. As soon as as soon as soon uh, church was about to end or whatever it was, uh, at some point in time, she invited me to come down. And so the very first people that I sat with were the Cooey's and the Knowles. And, and I sat down and we had lunch. And, and that was just the, you know, some mention of the smiling faces and even to this day, you know, uh, Sheila will come out of her way just to make sure to give me a hug. And, and it's like those, those types of relationships that, um, I never had at church before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, just having people that actually genuinely care about you and not just, uh, that are just showing up just to check the box. Yeah. And, you know, we, the, the church that I went to, um, there was a lot of prominent figures from the town. So it was, uh, I, I dare to say that it was kind of more like a, um, a status symbol, yeah. um, type deal. And, and it, it, it carried over with their, with their kids. And in that, that's a lot of where we got the, um, the interactions with people from. And so the people that you would want to be close to that you think are great or that are part of the church or whatever, were the ones that would, you know, dismiss you because you didn't wear name brand clothing or, whatever else. And, and I just didn't get that vibe here at all. It yeah. was just no matter what, everybody was just so welcoming and, and, you know, every, everywhere there's always problems, but I, you know, that was something I was, I was going through with a totally fine tooth comb, like trying to read every situation. Um, I didn't give a lot of benefit of the doubt to different people. And um, so it was kind of like, in my mind, I was putting everybody through the ringer to mm. to establish whether or not I could trust mm. and uh, and dive in because um, we'd been we'd faced a lot of backlash growing up from trusting and right. letting people into our lives and telling them about the problems that we were going with. Um, you know, it's kind of it, it's it's very traumatizing when you're growing up through the church and you start telling people, getting vulnerable with people, and then all that information that you give out is the same things that they bring up in a public setting that's yeah. nobody else's business. And mm. so, so, you know, all that was, I was, I was not trusting at all with anybody. And so it, it had to develop. And well, it sounds like too, that, that, that really impacted your, your faith. I mean, we talk about it as if they're separate things, but so many times for people when they're, when they have really negative experiences at the church, that really interacts with mm-hmm. their faith with, mm-hmm. with uh, whether or not they, close themselves off to, uh, to continuing to walk with the Lord or whatever. And it sounds like it was somewhat the same with you that that mm-hmm. those negative experiences impacted your faith, but you're also talking about that, but there was a nagging and you didn't mm-hmm. use that word, but you, there was a hunger, something just, I need more need, yeah. need something. You're hungry for something. You're looking for something. And I think those welcoming relationships where you were starting to be able to, to trust 
kind of fed, it sounds like kind of fed that hunger. And I know I'm just thinking about my first interactions with you. We're really in kind of D school. I mean, we'd met and I, I knew who you were mm-hmm. and we'd chatted, but in D schools where I really got to know you. And that was our, we used to have a, a program where people would commit a whole year, two different semesters of two and a half hours uh, every Monday night, except for when Blake taught. And then it was like 30 minutes. <laughs> it was usually like a field trip and 30 yeah, minutes that's right. Teaching. He always did the fun yeah. stuff. But the point was it was, man, it, it was a deep dive. Mm-hmm. And I remember you being in that class, man, that hunger was obvious. So talk a little bit about, you know, as you're, you're obviously now getting to be part of the church and starting to feel safer in that environment, mm-hmm. trusting a little bit, but also really hungry. I mean, mm-hmm. so what's God doing in your life uh, in terms of your relationship with him as you're starting to get more involved here? Yeah, well, you know, and and that going to that, there there was a huge process to get to even that point. Hmm. Um, you know that you're, you're talking about the going away and developing that hunger. You know, there was a huge. I mean, it was twelve, thirteen years of no desire, no desire hmm. whatsoever to hmm. develop a relationship with God. I was totally astray. Um, and then it had started building up, and and so coming into D school, um, we're really um, a little before that. Um, I, I'd actually gotten challenged by somebody. Um, I'd grown up, I'd always thought that becoming a member of a church was just, you know, I'm here, so I'm a member, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know anything that carried on with that or, or whatnot. And I'd, I got challenged by somebody that just kind of asked me, why aren't you a member of the church? I was like, well, I am. It's like, but you're not. <laughs> and so I, it really started started challenging me big time. And so I, I really thought into it a lot more and started realizing what it meant to become a member I'd never been baptized before. And so it's like all those different things had started um, packing in more and more. It's like, oh, man, there's there's this desire here. There's that desire there. And mm. and, uh, and so that's what, uh, you know, I, led me to become a member and get baptized. And then it was just I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop mm. there. Right. So that was that was where D school came in. And, you know, Marie, um, uh, Marie had a huge impact on me on uh kind of what D school was because she had gone through it before. And at the time we, we had just been friends and we were just kind of talking at the, that point and getting to know each other. And so we had, we had talked about D school a lot. And um, then whenever I went through that process, uh, I mean, it was just starting to realize all these different things that, you know, the process of sanctification was for me was all these years of, mm culminating into one and it was in the moment you don't ever know that it's actually happening until that's one thing that i, I got out of d school hmm. is is afterward you can look back and see oh yeah god was peeking me there he mm-hmm. was pulling me there he was um being um uh you know, consistently tugging at my heart here or this is why i ended up in this position um and so uh you know that 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 really pulled in in there developing that relationship um so a little after D school ended, um, it's just a few months after D school ended, um, Marie and I ended up getting engaged. And so we started going through this book, um, it's by Francis and Lisa Chan. It's, uh, you and me, you and me forever marriage in light of eternity. And it just goes and talks about what a godly marriage is and, and how it's, it's the ultimate goal of a godly marriage is to, um, uh, is to, be an example, more or less. This is obviously paraphrasing, but be an example to those outside, so they can get an idea of what the marriage with Christ will be like in the end. Mm. And so, um, 
so we we just kind of dove into that um, and uh, you know developing more of an understanding on that with our relationship and uh, you know it just started getting me to ask some more questions um, I participated in a few um, men's group Bible studies and book studies and stuff, um, both at the gym and and with started to get some a couple guys from from work um, didn't last very long but a couple guys from work we got together and we'd do stuff and uh, it was still like there was that relationship uh, the the I guess the extremely close personal relationship with with people the community that uh, I'd still been craving um, so. What ended up happening with that, what's pushed me even further is is these community groups. We got in the community group. We're over at the Moody's, and um, there's several of us. Everybody has their kids and everything, and it's just it's awesome to see. Right now, we're doing a thing together where each week we're going through and giving each other's testimonies. So, you know, we'll, we'll hear from this couple their testimony, and then, you know, previously we heard from somebody else and so on and so forth, and everybody's given their testimony. So it's just kind of awesome to see a lot of us in the same similar seasons of life with kids and same age kids relatively and um and just hearing everybody's stories because everybody's story is totally different yeah and some of them are, are very similar so um just figuring out where where god's moving in different people's lives and um and how he's impacted them has really really affected my walk mm. and it's just it's helping me to realize more that all these things that i've had happen to me all the you know, stray away and, and everything um, that I had growing up is is really helped me to connect with more people. Because mm. um, with my job, I get a really unique opportunity to witness to people in some of the craziest settings that you can mm. imagine. Um, you know, back of a cop car in handcuffs is mm. a is a pretty unique uh, unique place to be witness to. And and you know, I don't do it intentionally to like try to tell them, oh, you need God in your life or whatever, but just just you know one of the best quotes that i had ever heard was you're always witnessing and only about 10 percent of the time you use your words mm-hmm. and so having that that type of interaction with people um in those settings is just it's just incredible and seeing god work through those situations and um hearing stories from from people about how something that i did or said or even arrested somebody for for whatever reason how that's changed them um, it's all just it kind of made me more more hungry to to learn more, learn how I can help better, um, mm-hmm. and and how I can help you know ultimately develop those relationships and whatever kind of relationship, um, uh, whatever kind of status that relationship is, how I can turn those into, hey man, why don't you why don't you come check out this church? Why don't you come uh, dive in deeper and uh, just kind of getting get more people involved in that. Yeah. Talk a little bit about, so when you're, you're talking about in D school, this realization that I think a lot of us sometimes is common to, to go through as you start to engage the Lord, as you start uh, to really grow in your faith, that kind of these light bulb moments where you realize that some of the, some of the times in your life, you talked about reflecting back to these 12 or 13 years mm-hmm. where you're very intentionally putting distance between you and God and you and church people. And, you know, it's a, it was a very intentional shutdown, but that even in those moments, the discovery of the fact that, that God is at work, mm-hmm. that he hasn't. And in some sense, when we abandon him, he doesn't, he doesn't abandon us. He doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah. He continues to pursue as you are 
looking back and realizing that seeing God's hand, even at work in times of rebellion, what is that? I, I mean, I imagine that's encouraging. I imagine that's, uh, that's, that's a, a powerful thing to realize. What does that, what does that do for you in that moment to, to realize that in those years, Oh my goodness, I can see the hand of, of God at work. How does that impact you moving forward? Um, well, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's very humbling. I mean, that's, I think mm. that's a, a good, good word to use for that. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of backtrack to that very first, um, time that I went to the college ministry deal. The lesson was on Samson and I never, prior to this point, I, you know, I'd heard all the Bible stories somewhat, never really put it all together and talking about Samson and, and, and how, uh, how much he was able to, he, he did things, um, you know, God used him in miraculous ways, even though he was just not a great person at all. Yeah. And so it was kind of the, the thing that I took away just from that moment was that, oh man, like all of these problems that I've had all these, these years of, of just not being a good person, um, and definitely not being a, a good follower of Christ, it, he can still use me. And so it was just, hmm. it was a super, uh, like a big gut punch. I think at the moment that it's just like, man, like where are you living your life? Um, where, where are you putting your trust? And, and ultimately it was, um, it was just extremely encouraging to know that like, that no matter what I've been through, no matter what I've done or said, or even though I don't, I, I know I don't deserve, uh, what it is, what I've gotten, it's, I understand grace now. And there's just no, Hmm. there's no way I can look back at that and say that this is not grace, God's grace in my life. And so, so it, it, it's definitely helped, helped me to develop that understanding of God's grace. Hmm. Wow. Well, one of the things I've, I've noticed about you and, and our uh, conversations as we've become friends, I, I, I feel like you talk about the integration of your faith and your workaday world mm-hmm. in uh, like you, you see those as seamless. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I feel like the way you talk about being a police officer, you talk about it as a, uh, as a platform mm-hmm. for your faith and as an opportunity for your faith. I think, I think most of us, certainly those of us that have never been in that world, uh, we look into the law enforcement world and we go, wow, that that's a hard yeah. That's a hard place. That's a that's a quote unquote secular job that <laughs> that would be really that would be really difficult. I mean, you're in tense and tough situations uh, all the time, mm-hmm. and I, I just I I think there's a lot of people that that are in these again quote unquote secular jobs that are going how you know I I feel like there's a divide in my life where there's faith over here and then there's my workaday yeah. world over here and they seem to kind of be oil and water a little bit and I, I struggle to to bring those into alignment how have you done that and how have you been able to allow your work world to really just be a a platform for who God has called you to be who God's created you to be and as an opportunity to share the gospel I feel like you you really focus hard on that what mm-hmm. what have you done to Bring those two together. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's anything that I've done. Um, that's just it. Is is I could I could go back to different stages in my life, and and had I been put in this position, you know, several years ago, um, it it wouldn't have been the same. I would have hmm. fallen under the same, you know, the same uh, 
I guess, issues that everybody else does or deals with and, and everything. So it, I don't think it's ever been anything I've done. To me, it's just kind of, it just happens. Like, um, it's it's a great way to take advantage of that opportunity um, to to get to speak to people and, and just really just show them what it's like. I, I think, see if I can put this into words even, it's kind of just, you know, you the especially in this day and age with with the way the view is on law enforcement the way the there's a lot of negative light on uh police officers and and uh and the way that there's you know interactions that don't go very well and and a lot of it comes from misunderstanding um people that don't really understand the full story of what's really going on but um you know there's there's it, it it's also just a bunch of miscommunication and so there, there's been a stigma, a negative stigma about law enforcement for more than just mm-hmm. this most recent, um, these most recent issues, these last few years. Um, so I remember coming into a lot of it, um, you know, y- you get called names, you get called racist and, and, you know, all these bad things from people that you know aren't true. And I'd grown up my whole life hearing people say all these things about me that weren't true, but you know, you start to believe the lies and stuff. Yeah. But this was like kind of one of those things is like, no, that's obviously that's not true. I'm not going to believe that lie. You can say it all you want, but it's, it's not true about me. And so I remember coming into a lot of this as being, um, having the desire to, um, to help people to see what a good police officer was like, mm-hmm. you know, to, to help change people's ideas about what police officers were. And so I think that that was, you know, pre-D school, pre-Fredonia Hill, pre-the um, drive for for Christ, and that's that's one of those um, one of those deals that I can look back and say that was absolutely God in my life without me doing anything. It was just that's just the mindset that I had that I wanted to help people to see. You know, I'm a good person. That police officers are a good person. I wanted to change the public perception of of the view of, of what I was doing for work. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of just, I mean, it just happened that way. Really. I mean, it just, it was all just natural flowing. Like I said, I don't feel like I did anything specifically. It's just, that's the mind, the idea that I had in my head and it just stuck. And then now looking back, like I said, I can, I can go back and see that that was absolutely God's hand in all of that. Because I guess I had I had that idea about how I wanted to interact with the public and how I wanted to get involved in people's lives before I started really pursuing Christ myself. Mm. And so now it just becomes those interactions. People are interacting with you, and so the merger of of faith and vocation is the fact that they're interacting with you. And who are you? Well, you're somebody that has been given new life. Mm. In Christ, you're somebody that's been forgiven and redeemed and given grace and mercy, and and so an interaction with you in your work world Mm -hmm. is somebody uh, interacting with somebody that has experienced that change that knows the Lord. And they, they then become the beneficiaries of, of interacting with somebody that, that knows about grace. And the, the the cool thing about that specifically is I remember, I remember a conversation actually with a supervisor of mine. um, And it was, it was right there around D school, actually um, just soon. It was either during D school or right after D school ended, uh, I had a conversation with one of my supervisors and uh, he kind of just looked me in the eye. He's like, you know, Jessup, you're a really good dude. Hmm. Said, I've, I've noticed a huge change in you and the way that you've, you present yourself, the way that you act, the way that you look. 
um, and it, obviously I didn't have any major physical mm-hmm. changes, but just just uh, with different things like somebody outside that I don't know their relationship with Christ or anything like that, but somebody from totally outside told me that they saw the difference in me mm-hmm. and that made all the world of difference mm-hmm. a world a world to me that somebody else noticed yeah. um, somebody who i never had a conversation about christ with i never talked to him about my walk with god or or my past or anything like that but for them to sit there and pull me into the office and during one of the conversations that's what he told me i was just like wow <laughs> that's incredible and i imagine that sticks with you too oh, as absolutely you, as in not only is it like wow you it's evident, mm-hmm. but also now as I go into the public, that's the that's the, the kind of encounter that I'm praying that people have mm-hmm. is they have an encounter with somebody who's obviously different, mm-hmm. and uh, and that and that they notice. Yeah, yeah. I've had a I've had kind of like mm-hmm. this uh, this goal of mine, you know, with with all the the job and um, everything being tough, and you know, you don't always make a difference in in somebody's life. But I've I've had this goal, and it's the only goal that I have in in the job. If I can make a difference in one person's life, if I can change one person's life, I've done my job. Mm. And so, just having those types of interactions, having somebody acknowledge that, and, and for years growing up, I used to always have to like I always had to be um, if I didn't get recognition for something, like I sought recognition like i yeah. i always needed the the praise i needed it to come to me and um very selfish and all that and so um coming here it was like a it, it was the exact opposite like they didn't build you up it was you know tear down all the time all the time and so to go through that and then and realize that um that that was a problem that i had where I was seeking um, the recognition for things, and then once I started changing my life and and uh, following God and being uh, being obedient, all these changes just start coming my way mm. from outside that mm. had nothing to do with nothing directly to do with um, the church. It was just outside. Um, things my work started changing i started getting different positions at work i started uh just loving myself a lot more loving life a lot more and you know ultimately i met my wife so wow. and it is just all that took place just being obedient man that's amazing i think i think sometimes and, and maybe the spot to to put a cap on it is sometimes i think we way overthink yeah the merger of those of those mm-hmm. two things mm-hmm. we think about it uh in more complicated terms than it really needs to be. What Nathan's talking about is basically allowing the character of who God is making him into. He's as he is hungry for the Lord and he comes before the Lord, the Lord is sanctifying him and changing him in ways that at at the time, sometimes you're not even realizing even in your darker moments, Mm -hmm. the Lord's sanctifying you and it's, and it's in your work world, in your vocational life, allowing that character to, come through and you don't have to, you don't have to be a police officer. You don't have to have a public platform to do. I mean, anywhere we go, that's the reality right. of who yeah. we can be is a demonstration of, of, of who God is and what he's done uh, in our life. And uh, that's a, that's a pretty amazing way to look at your work world. Pretty, pretty cool uh, viewpoint. So man, thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that with I will, us. We'll say I'm a little bit disappointed. Y'all didn't ask me if I liked sweet tea or coffee. Well, let's settle that right now. What, uh, what's your let's, preference? let's shut it down right there. Coffee all the way. <laughs> Sorry, Blake. I am I, so I've got my sweet tea over here. Or, and I'm happy. or, or, or half and half tea. I do drink half and half, but okay. not, not like crazy sweet. 
I understand. I, I've had to. I mean, to I'm, okay, but I'm I gotta, a cop. Yeah, like donuts and coffee. Like <laughs> I, I fit that stereotype to a T. So donuts as well. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I got so I got to ask you then. Uh, my favorite story. Have a have I have I told a story about? Oh, if I repeat a story, I, friends, I I'm sorry. There's too many episodes. I have a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Brad Latson. He was actually one of the guys that I went and hung out with in mm-hmm. Arkansas. So you've heard him on this podcast. His dad was a, a police officer in Denton. And uh, so when we were growing up, that was his world and his dad. So, and he would always tell us stories. So we'd always hear these stories. And uh, one of his favorite stories to tell is, uh, his name's Greg Latson. So Brad, if you listen, send this to your dad. Uh, I hope I get this story right. But he, uh, so he used to have to work I-35 and he had a guy doing a ride along one time and it's early in the morning and he's got his cup of coffee and I don't know if it's a mug or cup, but it's an open cup of coffee and he's flying along down the interstate and somebody on the other side of the interstate comes flying by and like he's taken a, just a Sunday afternoon drive, he hits the median, like sp- bends in the median, turns around, hits the lights, flies down the other side of the interstate going after this guy who's, who's speed, never spills a drop of coffee. And he tells a story, his favorite part of the story to tell is that the, uh, the guy in the ride along is just pinned in the corner of the car, like totally terrified. And he's just like, never even spills coffee. So are you, can you, it's, what's it's your skill level we... in navigating coffee and, and, all the other things you do. I mean, it's actually part of the police academy during the drive. You have to yeah, not spill to, coffee. <laughs> you have to drive around with a cup of coffee. In your, no, no, I actually, I've, I've got a very, uh, very, uh, what is it? The, is it geoscopic? Is that what the, where you don't, I don't know what terms I'm looking for, but no, I'm, I'm very good at. You're a pro. Oh, I'm a pro. I'm a pro. Talk on the radio. No, I drive with both hands on the wheel. That's right. You do. That's I right. Never, you do. I never use my computer when I'm driving. Well, that's good. We, we need some lessons because I watch people here at church like walk down the hall with their cup of coffee and it's sloshing everywhere. And yeah. I'm like, come on, people. Come on. Yeah, Man, it, only, it only spills when somebody uh, bumps into, into the arm and then it's just like, Oh, then Why do you over. have to walk so close? That's right. COVID, that's right. COVID. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. Six feet. Well, man, seriously, thanks for yeah. thanks for spending yeah, some time for with us. Me. That's so that's so great. If you have uh, got any feedback, anything that you heard in Nathan's story that you want to go, man, that really was helpful. That was encouraging. We obviously want to hear about that. If you've listened to other episodes where that's been the case, we want to hear about that. We've always said you can just tap us on the shoulder and tell us. You can write us a note. Good old handwritten note. Yeah, you can do that. We, uh, te- Send it with a pigeon. Telegraph Morse code. We can. We can. Uh, we accept all that. Yeah, anything. Anyway, or you can email us. Email us at stc there at fredoniahill.org. And we got more fun guests on the way. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, tell your friends about the podcast and earn your sticker. Adios. Bye.